Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? What a week has it been? Oh my goodness. I mean... We don't... We don't have a ton of like actual news items, but what we've got is pretty big. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was we thought like on Tuesday that we'd have one story that was the big story for the day and then Wednesday happened and then Thursday happened. And it's I know. Like, and that one, and that one's like number three now. Yeah. The Tuesday story that we thought was number one is number three. So, I mean, it's, it's just been a wild not week in the SBC. Not that it's not important. No, not it's not. Not that it's not important, but, but it's just. There's a lot of important stuff this week. We only really have four or five stories to talk about this week and wow they're big ones too and and we got an executive committee next week so everybody's descending on mecca this weekend yeah and and next week's going to be crazy because the sing conference is happening mm. um and the executive committee meeting so i'm basically dropping into town for just a little over 24 hours and trucking it back and forth from Brentwood to downtown. Um, but you know what we're going to get to do while you're here? We're going to get to interview Taffy, Taffy Hall. And we're going to get to do a Facebook Live with her around the SPC Executive Committee building and look at some of the different artifacts and historical yes. uh, pieces that they have at the Executive Committee. So be sure to check us out on Facebook so you don't miss that. Uh, next week. I think we'll be doing that around Tuesday at some point. I'm not yes, quite sure the Tuesday exact afternoon. time. Follow us on Twitter and we'll tweet out about it. Yes, and we are going to celebrate the 100th anniversary of we the are, executive committee. We are going to have cake. At least Very I will. Very exciting. I, I will definitely have cake. But I'm Very not sure. exciting. Are you going to be there Monday night? Um, I, I am. I'm going to, okay. when we wrap up some things at the SING conference, then I'm going to come uh, come into town for the plenary session. And so if there's cake left, I might have some. Um, if not, I'll. If, if there's not enough cake for me, I'll uh, hit Jenny's ice cream. If there's not enough cake for you, and I had Jenny's this week, Allison Young, is it's her fault. Because if, if you're not there and there's cake burning out, Allison is the one in charge of getting you a piece. Okay, consider this my RSVP. So Allison, make sure Amy gets a piece of cake. If she's listening, which I know she is. Um, also, next week, we're going to get to interview Dr. Moeller about the Peace Committee. I'm going to talk to him next week about the Peace Committee. This is like the 30th anniversary of the Peace Committee um, in 2017. So we're going to get to talk to him about that and how big a part that played in the conservative resurgence. So Dr. Moeller, always a fascinating interview. So uh, be sure to tune in for that. And uh, also, I think I'm going to talk to Adam Greenway about some developments in higher education in the SBC, uh, dealing with state colleges and state conventions. So uh, i got a lot Very going cool. on. got a lot going on next week, so it'll be fun. Uh, speaking of Dr. Moeller and Dr. Greenway, uh, this week's episode is sponsored by the Billy Graham School of Missions, Evangelism, and Ministry at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Whether you're preparing to plant or revitalize churches in North America or to take the gospel to places where Christ is not yet known, the Billy Graham School is committed to training the next generation of Great Commission leaders. Learn more about the Billy Graham School's MDiv, DMIN, or other degree programs today by visiting sbts.edu slash bgs. Again, that is sbts.edu slash bgs. So jumping into the news this week, our big lead story is from Memphis, Tennessee, just over in West Tennessee, just west of here, where 169 clergy members in Greater Memphis representing 95 congregations and institutions, uh, wrote a letter to the members of the Tennessee Historical Commission to have a statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest moved 
uh, in Memphis. And uh, signing on to that, the reason this is important, is SBC President Steve Gaines. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, we, we had other stories that that have hit this week. But you and I both, when we saw this, we said, this may not be what on everybody's radar screen yet. It hit the, com- you know, it was in the commercial appeal, the Memphis paper uh, this evening. And so people may not have caught it yet. But when I look at that, I see that as an incredibly important story this week because this is connected to something that Southern Baptists have really been talking about for two years now. Yeah, it is. Um, to to an issue and to see the president of the Southern Baptist Convention um, leading in this way and adding his name to this letter, uh, standing with with uh, other ministers in Memphis, so you know, 150 members. I think this is really important. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, you mentioned it. It's something that we've talked about at the last two SBC annual meetings uh, with the Confederate flag resolution in 2016 and then the alt-right resolution in 2017. It's also something that we've seen that has been flashpoint in the U.S., this summer uh, with Charlottesville and several other demonstrations around the country for Dr. Gaines to stand up and say, you know, this is something that's important. It's important in my city in Memphis. Uh, He's leading the way in his city. We commend Dr. Gaines. Amy, uh, anything that stood out in the letter that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, this is the segment that actually the commercial appeal pulled out um, that, that they're, they're supporting. Basically, the city has requested to relocate this statue, and they are supporting that request. Right. And so that's, that's important. They're kind of standing behind this. And they said, by no means are we seeking to erase history. It is imperative that we understand history. The foundations of our society, of our country, and our faith traditions are built on that. But it is also important that we understand historical figures and events in their full context. It was not until 1905, half a century after the Civil War and in the throes of the implementation of Jim Crow laws across the South, that the statue of Forrest was placed in a public square. This monument to Forrest belongs elsewhere, not in the center of our city's hub, beyond the historical inaccuracy and geographic irrelevancy of his monument. It does not represent who we are as people of faith. And so um, there's just some real clarity there. And um, I mean, you're, you live in Tennessee. I'm from Tennessee. I actually have some roots in the um, the area that Nathan Bedford Forrest is from, uh, Holtz Corner. And so my family has talked um, about him uh, much in, in recent years. And um, the monuments to him around the state are, are very much... Uh, in, up for discussion in a lot of spots. But this is just a, a very important thing um, to stand with the other clergy in the city. And I think in some ways, because the convention spoke on this, I mean, he, he's really representing Bellevue and he's speaking um, out of love for Memphis, but it, it connects with, also, he's a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. And I, I, I was, I think it's very important that that he's taken this stand. Agreed, Amy, and we'll have to keep an eye on this and see exactly what comes of this. Uh, the mayor has requested the Tennessee Historical Commission to move the, the statue, so we'll keep an eye out on that and see uh, what the resolution is as uh, time goes on. All right, moving on over to the IMB. Two stories out of the IMB trustee meeting this week, uh, just a general trustee recap what we'll get to in a minute, and uh, the big story that uh, people have really been buzzing about at the end of the week here. IMB President David Platt will be uh, voted on in a couple weeks at McLean Bible Church in McLean, Virginia, an SBC church in the uh, D.C. area uh, as the teaching pastor at McLean. This was certainly 
big news today, and a lot of people were uh, just processing this, I think. Um, but it, it came out, first of all, in the news release about the trustee meeting um, that the IMB uh, just had at Ridgecrest, Yeah, actually. Thanks and, for and that. We was, appreciate those hotel nights. There you go. <laughs> and it wasn't, I mean, it was not just their trustee meeting, but they have this celebration every five years where they have a reunion. Yeah, of the Missionary Emeritus. Right, of retired missionaries. So there was a um, a big group there. I, I loved, there's a sentence in this um, story. We'll, we'll have the Baptist Press story in the show notes, but it says the group in all represented 25,297 years of Southern wow. Baptist missionary service. That's amazing. So that's just an incredible, incredible thing. And they also approved 51 uh, missionary personnel had a sending celebration. Um, in the plenary session, um, they dealt with the proposed budget um, that is for 2017-2018 um, balanced uh, with receipts and expenses, both projected at $262 million. So they they discussed the budget was a big thing, but then it was sort of at the end that they also, this issue um, was uh, was part of the meeting. Yeah, and they uh, reported that this came from the executive committee of the uh, trustees, so they had met about this and reported to the full board. And, and because of this, uh, the news and the questions that may come up from that, uh, a couple of points here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a statement from Hans Dilbeck, who's the chairman of the board. He said, our president, David Platt, has expressed a deep sense of calling to serve as teaching pastor McLean Bible Church while also continuing to lead the International Mission Board. We respect Dr. Platt and his sense of the Lord's leading, and we recognize our responsibility to hold him accountable for his work leading the International Mission Board of the coming months, Dr. Platt serves as teaching pastor for McLean Bible Church. The trustees of the IMB will evaluate his fulfillment of his responsibilities as IMB president. Trustees will also evaluate McLean's level of partnership with the SBC. We plan to revisit this matter in our February trustee meeting. So we'll have to keep an eye on the February meeting uh, to see if uh, anything changes from this. There's a, a FAQ that uh, the IMB put out as well, talking about the status of Dr. Platt's role. Uh, what it's like for him to preach at one local church and, and how often he'll be preaching at other SBC churches. Uh, basically, 65% of the weekends he'll be at uh, McLean. 35% of the weekends of the year he'll be out and about at different uh, Southern Baptist churches and carrying out IMB responsibilities, where that may even be overseas. So um, the relationship of McLean to the SBC, they are an SBC partner church, and the IMBs and, and there's a couple other questions there. So all the information uh, we have about this specific part of the trustee meeting, we pulled out and put that on our website at SBC this week. We've had a lot of traffic over the last couple of days about this. So if you have any questions or want the full information, you can find that out at sbcthisweek.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see the blog down there or uh, on the show notes for today's post. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the budget. That's, I know that's something that's always big for the SBC and uh, for IMB, and especially in the last couple of years after everything's gone on with the voluntary retirement incentive, uh, projecting Lottie Moon Christmas offering receipts at $153 million, which is right on par uh, from this past year. That means uh, $109 million from cooperative program receipts and other income at the IMB, which is uh, pretty much on par with 2016-17. Uh, Amy, we did have some other information from IMB related to this story. 
So as as we've shared, we've got the news release. There are the FAQs that are at the IMB's website, which we've pulled out the ones related to this because it's a large FAQ page about all sorts of things. Um, but the ones that are related to this, we've pulled that out at SBC this week. Another thing that the IMB, the folks at the IMB graciously shared uh, with us actually was that Dr. Platt did send an email out to the missionary. So this didn't just hit um, as a news release today, and then missionaries are finding out. They communicated. They they communicate with their trustees, and then he communicated to the missionary personnel um, before this before this became sort of the news that that uh, was coming out today. And it was just very personal in that email. We've seen some excerpts of that. Uh, it says a couple of things, and and I was just going to pull a couple of paragraphs here that that I think were meaningful to help. Um, uh, just in understanding the process. It says, a couple of people have asked me, why are you doing this? Don't you have enough to do? In response, I would certainly say I have plenty to do. But as I mentioned, in my role as IMB president, I want to maximize every opportunity I have to mobilize and shepherd people with God's word on mission in the world. So since I am home for close to two-thirds of my weekends in order to be with my family amidst another Amidst an otherwise hectic travel schedule during the week, I simply want to proclaim God's word on those Sundays. I have been in Jeremiah in my quiet time recently, and Jeremiah 4.19 says, My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Those words summarize my heart. When I look around at our culture and our country and at urgent spiritual and physical needs in the world, I just can't stay silent with the, the word in the church. Um, very moving, just, you know, words from from his heart to the missionaries on the field. And I think that says a lot. Um, he also was very honest about that he he believed that in the interim role, it had only helped him um, in his ability to lead but he wanted the trustees to give extra attention um, in the months ahead and that they've agreed to do so. So this just gave a little bit more insight, I think, um, uh, into, into this. And obviously this is something a lot of people are talking about. We're going to continue, you know, we're going to continue seeing some discussion about this. Um, It's a big story, but uh, but I think it does come from a, a, a real desire to proclaim the word. Yes, it does. And we'll continue to follow this story on SBC this week. So uh, keep in tune with us on Facebook, Twitter, and on the website for updates as we get them, if there are any. So we'll uh, you know check back in after that February trustee meeting. It's surely possible that that will be a point of discussion next week at executive committee meetings as well. All right, now to the story we thought was going to be the lead story this week, because it's big news. Anthony Jordan, the executive director, yes. treasurer of the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma since April 1996, announces week his plans to retire in 2018. Almost 22 years. That's amazing. Now, I have to tell you, I, I've never met Anthony Jordan. I've not had the pleasure, but I have heard... Um, people speak of him with such a tremendous respect. Yes, he's a, he's a legend in Oklahoma. And uh, I heard this was coming earlier this year and uh, I had a chance to sit down with Dr. Jordan uh, when Dr. Rayner spoke up there. And I uh, kind of had a feeling that the, the retirement was coming soon. Um, and uh, we wish him all the best in retirement. Excited to see what's next for him. Uh, Dr. Jordan is one of those, you know, he won't just kind of sit out in the, the sidelines of retirement, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we... 
Uh, he's wired like many of us are that uh, to ministry until his, his dying breath. So uh, we wish him all the best in retirement. Also, all the best to Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma search committee members. Uh, they appointed a search committee to find a successor to Dr. Jordan, and that includes Nick Garland, who's the chairman and pastor of First Baptist Church Broken Arrow, Kevin Baker, the pastor of Martha Road Baptist Church in Altus, Blake Gideon, pastor of First Baptist Church Edmund, Shane Hall, who's on the executive committee and also the pastor of First Southern Baptist Church of Dell City, Mike Keybone, pastor of Cherokee Hills Baptist Church, Oklahoma City, Rusty McMullen, pastor of First Baptist Sayre, and Doug Melton, pastor of Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and the president, Joe Ligon of the BGCO, he's the pastor of First Baptist Church Marlowe. He'll be serving as an ex officio member on the committee as well. Certainly, as as with every state convention that goes through this transition, we'll be paying close attention. We will. All right, moving up to our sponsor, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Big news out of Billy Graham School this week. They have consolidated two distinct apologetics programs into a single Master of Divinity degree in apologetics for the 17-18 academic year. Uh, while they used to have separate apologetics concentration, uh, now the institution will offer a single apologetics program under the Billy Graham School. Apologetics certainly a big thing that we've been hearing about for the last um, several years now. So just to hear about this program um, coming up, I know this is big news for Southern. The program, like we said, will be in the Billy Graham School in the new Department of Apologetics and World Religions, and Douglas K. Blunt will be serving as the chair of the department. So uh, congratulations to Adam Greenway and everybody up at Southern for the new apologetics program up there in the Billy Graham School. All right, Amy, back down to Tennessee. Big news over at Carson Newman. This is what we're going to talk about uh, with Dr. Greenway next week, actually, on the podcast. Uh, But the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board received a report from Carson Newman that they plan to incorporate the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message and the preamble as part of the standards and regulations concerning the operations of the university. Yeah, that that was big, big news. You know, we don't see that at the college level a whole lot no. because, you know, the, the Baptist faith and message is something that, that was um, adopted at the national level and the state conventions sort of all operate on their own. And so some states have taken this on as state conventions and adopted it and maybe in a few schools have but not a lot so yep. this is a this is a big deal now uh, to go to this yeah and it's a big deal because we've seen several colleges in recent years uh, while we have seen some move away from the Southern Baptist Convention we have seen several move back toward the a conservative side a, a conservative resurgence if you will within the different colleges I remember shorter, I uh, had that uh, right. a few years ago. Cedarville with Thomas White ha- has moved right. a lot more conservatively. Uh, and now we're seeing it at Carson Newman. Well, Carson Newman, Amy, you're a Tennessee native. Uh, but from what I, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about it, but from what I can tell over the past few years, there had been concerns about it uh, moving yes. away from the convention and the, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Yeah. And I don't know a ton either. It's in East Tennessee. So that's not the part where I'm from. And I also didn't really grow up as a Tennessee Baptist. Um, so I know a little bit, but not not a ton. I can say that in recent years, um, it's not been one that has 
I would say it hasn't been known for its um, conservative positions. And so to see this and to see the board make this proclamation, you know, for those outside of Tennessee that, you know, they may not know, just like I don't know everything about colleges in other states. Uh, but for those in, in Tennessee, they know this is a big, big deal. Yes, it is, Amy. And uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on everything over at Carson Newman because uh, they, they're committing to, to start to incorporate that. So once they have that fully incorporated, I, I assume that there would be a, a story from Carson Newman on, on the, new, the new standards and regulations concerning the operations sure. of the university. And and we, we need to remember uh, transitions like this are not always simple. No, so not always it, simple and not always popular yeah. with faculty as well. So we saw, right. uh, we've seen issues both at uh, Shorter and Cedarville that we mentioned earlier uh, with the faculty and, and clashing kind of with uh, the new conservative values that the administration had put in place. So we will definitely keep an eye on that. All right. Finally, Amy, we have a study from Lifeway Research, pastor's spouses experience mixed blessings. And uh, you're a former pastor's spouse or what? Yes. you're still the spouse of a former pastor. Let's how about that. Is that, is that a better way to say that? You're the spouse of a so. former pastor. And I'm the, yeah, and I'm the spouse of someone who's uh, still in ministry, yeah, just and, in and, a different, different And also ministry. doing interim work as well. So, uh, you right. know, you kind of have not this currently, a yeah. Not currently, but has been. All right. Yeah. So uh, take us through this research real quick. Yeah, so this is a study of about 720 spouses of Protestant um, pastors. Uh, so it it, it kind of hit on a, is a variety of denominations. 29% uh, were Baptist, but also um, some non-denominational Methodists, Lutheran, Assemblies of God, Presbyterians, uh, just a number of people participated. And it, I was looking at it um, this evening. I haven't even really gotten to dig completely in. When you look at all the research, I mean, it's, uh, it's about a 51-page um, summary and then about 155-page uh, presentations. There's tons of details in it. Um, but the, the thing that got me about this is, is when you dig down into the research and you, you get to the part that talks about the stressors, I mean, they were always kind of somewhat high. I mean, in the 40% about different, you know, you have this kind of, do you have, is this stressful for you? You know, 40% would say yes. Eight, I think 80% said the congregation um, thinks that my spouse needs to be at everything. You know, they talk about all these these things that really are kind of stressful. And they would get some decent responses um, uh, about all the stressors in the in the ministry. But then 90% said ministry has a positive effect on my family. That's good. And I, I just, I, so I just, even with really all the stress, even with the, the headaches right. that sometimes bring, nine yes. out of 10 spouses of pastors say that, yes, this is a positive thing on my family. Right. That's, That's what struck me. And you can kind of see that contrast in the Baptist press story with the summary where conflict, sense of loneliness, that can be a part of it. But then there are these positive things. Um, 83% enjoy their ministry work, 70, 79% satisfied. So you don't have numbers like this unless people are saying yes to both. Yes, there is a stress, um, but I love it. And so there, it really identified, you know, a, a, a calling piece. And I mean, I, as a pastor's wife, um, did feel and, and continue to feel my own sense of calling. Um, and, and I think that's a, a that's part that's part of it. Um, and so I, I think this is great. I'm looking forward to digging in even more. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. Uh, like we mentioned, a bunch of big stories 
at the top of the show and continue to follow us on Twitter and Facebook for updates. If we have those, we will share them throughout the week uh, coming up. And that's going to move us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. We are going to go back to 1968 to another research project. Very interesting. Um, it is a it was a Baptist opinion poll that was put out by the PR department of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Oh, these are always fun. Yes, to get the opinions of Texas Baptist ministers. This and what is so were we interesting. Getting the opinions on well, this was at a time when um, heart transplants huh. were still very new. They talk about sort of a specific type of surgical technique, um, and they talk about it being sort of being new and dealing with human life. They say as heart transplants become nearly a regular routine for some surgeons, they also have become a source of question and debate concerning the ethics of giving and taking life. And so they decided to put out an opinion poll um, to get um, to get the thoughts of Texas um, Baptist ministers on this. Um, so, one person who is a name uh, we'll know um, is W.A. Criswell. He said, uh, he answered um, by saying, modern science is advancing um, at such an accelerated pace that even the most dedicated Christian is occasionally at a loss to explain the advance in terms of God's will. And then he said, transplant surgery as it is now practiced does not seem to be in conflict with Christian ethics. Here's what's interesting. So we'll put the link in there and people can really read. To me, it's not what they said. I mean, it seemed like a lot of people felt like this was okay. It, it's it's just the difference because now here we are in 2017 and we are not thinking about this at all as an ethical question. No, um, I, I'm surprised it was. I mean, that that's how kind of normal and commonplace it is now. Yeah, it's an accepted practice. Um, one person did say, you know, uh, that they had um, they had a problem with, I guess, the uh, continuity with uh, in preparation for the resurrection, uh, with you okay. know, seeing the the body, the human the, body yeah. cells. Um, my heart is a part of me. You know, I, I mean, these are these are things that they were wrestling with because it was new on the scene. So I, I, re, I read it and I'm trying to imagine, well, if you've not ever done, if, if this hasn't been done for very long, it's, it is kind of a new thing that you step back and say, oh, wow, you can take a heart from one person and put it in another person's body. But now we are regularly praying for people who are on heart transplant lists. We are um, saddened by what, you know, uh, what has to, ha you know, that, that it's someone loses their life in order for that. But we also, um, it's, it's a kind of a regular part of, of, uh, life for many of us. And I think Christian ethicists have probably dealt with this issue for a long time. And so it's kind of settled. Um, but back then it wasn't hmm. in 1968. And so, um, it's a pretty long article, so I'm not going to go into all the details, but click the link and, um, and check it out yourself. And uh, I always find it interesting to catch opinion polls and stats um, from uh, decades ago just to see what they were talking about. Yeah, fascinating. So, and, and so we're talking about um, spouses of pastors tonight, um, but they were talking about the ethics of heart transplants this week in SBC history. All right, well. I just, I'm just glad you didn't take us down to sinner's prayer and asking Jesus into your heart with that. So appreciate that. Oh man, that's, I, I can't, that is the worst. 
joke. <laughs> wow. Okay. Not even. Nope. I'm just. That yeah. was, I was trying the whole time you were telling that. I was trying to think of a joke. You were trying that. to come up with a heart joke. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. So. All right. Well, thanks for that, Amy. And that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. And your resource of the week, I've I've got a feeling I know what it is, but your resource yeah. of the week is. Well, there's a biography that came out this week. Yes, there is, and it's by a, a certain um, former Flotus. Yes. So I had on my porch on Tuesday. Now, some of our listeners may not be interested in this resource, and that's okay. Um, everybody's got their reasons. They want to read things or not. But a book came out. It's been a, a huge talk. It's called What Happened, um, and it's by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, I, 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 my degree's in politics, and so that is my you know interest. I watched the presidential election with great interest, but that's not why I have it. No, you um, have it because it completes a collection. Well, not complete. Oh, it doesn't but it, complete it, a collection. It adds to the collection. It's never going to be completed. Um, but it, as you know, I have a what I think is extensive. I think I'm in the 80s now um, of books on first ladies of the United States. And my goal is to have at least some resource on every single one of them. There's a few of them. I think it's going to be tough. Obviously, Hillary Clinton was a, a polarizing figure. And Obviously. people have very, very strong opinions. They do. But from a number of perspectives, one perspective I have is she really made history because of all the first ladies. She's the only one. I mean, we only had one first lady to actually run for president. So if that's going to happen, I'm going to get that book. That is, is her writing about the experience. What first I, lady collection would be, in, would be complete without it? Exactly. Um, so it was on my porch Tuesday. I haven't started reading it yet. I've got books I'm trying to read for class. I don't know when I'm going to be actually be able to actually uh, crack it open, but uh, it's going on the shelf. And I just got ones on Harriet Lane and uh, Jane Pierce the other day. Harriet Lane. Harriet Lane. That's kind of got you, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm like, there's. I'm not sure. I don't I know a name. I'm going to have to look that one up. All right. You, you. I'll tell you. We have one president of the United States who was not married, James Buchanan. Okay. And his niece served as the hostess during his administration. And she was actually the first uh, individual that was uh, referred to as the first lady. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, got her biography, Jane Pierce's biography, um, or is like a kid's you know version because there's not anything real extensive written on her. But uh, anyway, added to my collection this week. So I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know how many of our listeners uh, will want to get it, but I, it's my resource of the week. Hey, Amy. Yes. What happened? She lost. Saved you a click. All right. Um, so my resource of the week is a new book from the person in our top story this week from Steve Gaines. He's a general editor of Pray Like This, Living the Lord's Prayer. It's a follow-up to the SBC annual meeting. Is a both a small group resource, you know, a book as well as a video. The videos include uh, J.D. Greer, Kelly Minter, H.B. Charles, Ronnie Floyd, Lisa Harper, and Robbie Gallaty. Uh, so a lot going on here in this resource, but uh, it's from Steve Gaines. We know Steve Gaines' heart on prayer. Uh, we know yes. that he is a man deeply committed to prayer, and uh, who better to have a resource on how to pray and live the Lord's Prayer than from Steve Gaines. Yes, yeah, so we're looking forward to that uh, release and uh, seeing him next week at the Executive Committee meeting. Yep, he'll be speaking Monday night. The president always brings a, a greeting on Monday night, so looking forward to that and uh, all the other reports, and we'll be live tweeting that, so uh, follow us on Twitter, at SPC This Week. Uh, we always 
try to break news as we have it, as we know it, and as we can release it. So uh, check us out on Twitter. Follow us there. Uh, keep updated with everything going on. And again, don't miss our Facebook Live next week with Taffy Hall around the SBC Historical Library and Archives. Going to be some fascinating stuff right there. I know Amy is giddy about that. Uh, might even get a picture of Amy with the gavels at the SBC Executive oh, wow. Committee. That would be fun. I know, I know that'll be a big one. So that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we got a lot coming up later in the fall. We mentioned the interview next week coming with Dr. Adam Greenway to talk about Carson Newman and a lot of the other uh, higher ed things going on within the SBC. We've got Dr. Moeller. We've got an interview with Jeff Dodge uh, from Iowa at Cornerstone there and uh, the Salt Company. A fascinating interview on college ministry and everything that he's done up at uh, Cornerstone as well. So Got a lot coming for you this fall. And Amy, you know what gets kicked off in just a couple of weeks? What? State convention meetings. Yes. And I'm going to make a spreadsheet and a checklist, and we're going to know which ones we don't have. That we're not is gonna going do this to be again. good. Yes, that was the Three worst. Or four we're weeks. like, and we're wrapping it up. Wait a minute. There's, and there's another, another one. state. We don't want to leave anyone out. Nope. And uh, we've been watching some uh, giving this week, too. I just want to mention this. Uh, we tweeted. I think I saw a couple of people tweeting about it. Uh, but uh, we're looking at CP giving year over year. Talked about Ohio last year, Amy. There, they yes. went to fifty percent. Uh, you know, fifty-fifty straight to fifty-fifty jumped up there. Giving to CP is up twenty plus percent, almost twenty-one percent this year uh, from those in Ohio. So, congratulations to all the guys and pastors and uh, ladies and church members up in Ohio. You guys are doing great work. Congratulations on that. And uh, we we expect that CP gift to be above budget again this year so exciting times very exciting all right well amy you know what i will see you next week see you next week 